Book Seventeen, Chapters One and Two of the Antiquities of the Jews, Volume Four. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Antiquities of the Jews, Volume Four by Flavius Josephus, translated by William Whiston. Book Seventeen, Chapters One and Two. Book Seventeen, containing the interval of fourteen years from the death of Alexander and Aristobulus, to the banishment of Archelaus. Chapter 1. How Antipater was hated by all the nation of the Jews for the slaughter of his brethren, and how, for that reason, he got into peculiar favor with his friends at Rome, by giving them many presents, as he did also with Saturninus, the president of Syria, and the governors who were under him, and concerning Herod's wives and children. When Antipater had thus taken off his brethren, and had brought his father into the highest degree of impiety, till he was haunted with furies for what he had done, his hopes did not succeed to his mind as to the rest of his life. For although he was delivered from the fear of his brethren being his rivals as to the government, yet did he find it a very hard thing, and almost impracticable, to come at the kingdom, because the hatred of the nation against him on that account was become very great. And besides this very disagreeable circumstance, the affair of the soldiery grieved him still more, who were alienated from him, from which yet these kings derived all the safety which they had, whenever they found the nation desirous of innovation. And all this danger was drawn upon him by his destruction of his brethren." However, he governed the nation jointly with his father, being indeed no more than a king already, and he was for that very reason trusted, and the more firmly depended on, for the which he ought himself to have been put to death, as appearing to have betrayed his brethren out of his concern for the preservation of Herod, and not rather out of his ill-will to them, and before them to his father himself. And this was the accursed state he was in." Now all Antipater's contrivances tended to make his way to take off Herod, that he might have nobody to accuse him in the vile practices he was devising, and that Herod might have no refuge, nor any to afford him their assistance, since they must thereby have Antipater for their open enemy, insomuch that the very plots he had laid against his brethren were occasioned by the hatred he bore his father." but at this time he was more than ever set upon the execution of his attempts against Herod, because if he were once dead, the government would now be firmly secured to him. But if he were suffered to live any longer, he should be in danger upon a discovery of that wickedness of which he had been the contriver, and his father would of necessity then become his enemy. And on this account it was, that he became very bountiful to his father's friends, and bestowed great sums on several of them, in order to surprise men with his good deeds, and take off their hatred against him. And he sent great presents to his friends at Rome particularly, to gain their good will, and above all to Saturninus, the president of Syria. He also hoped to gain the favor of Saturninus's brother with the large presents he bestowed on him, as also he used the same art to Salome, the king's sister, who had married one of Herod's chief friends. And when he counterfeited friendship to those with whom he conversed, he was very subtle in gaining their belief, and very cunning to hide his hatred against any that he really did hate. 
but he could not impose upon his aunt, who understood him of a long time, and was a woman not easily to be deluded, especially while she had already used all possible caution in preventing his pernicious designs. Although Antipater's uncle by the mother's side was married to her daughter, and this by his own connivance and management, while she had before been married to Aristobulus, and while Salome's other daughter by that husband was married to the son of Callias, yet that marriage was no obstacle to her, who knew how wicked he was in her discovering his designs, as her former kindred to him could not prevent her hatred of him. Now Herod had compelled Salome, while she was in love with Silius the Arabian, and had taken a fondness for him, to marry Alexis, which match was by her submitted to at the instance of Julia, who persuaded Salome not to refuse it, lest she should herself be their open enemy, since Herod had sworn that he would never be friends with Salome if she would not accept of Alexis for her husband. So she submitted to Julia as being Caesar's wife, and besides that, she advised her to nothing but what was very much for her own advantage. At this time also it was, that Herod sent back King Archelaus's daughter, who had been Alexander's wife, to her father, returning the portion he had with her out of his own estate, that there might be no dispute between them about it. Now Herod brought up his son's children with great care, for Alexander had two sons by Glaphyra, and Aristobulus had three sons by Bernice, Salome's daughter, and two daughters. And as his friends were once with him, he presented the children before them, and deploring the hard fortune of his own sons, he prayed that no such ill fortune should befall these who were their children, but that they might improve in virtue, and obtain what they justly deserved, and might make him amends for his care of their education. He also caused them to be betrothed against they should come to the proper age of marriage, the elder of Alexander's sons to Pheroras's daughter, and Antipater's daughter to Aristobulus's eldest son. He also allotted one of Aristobulus's daughters to Antipater's son, and Aristobulus's other daughter to Herod, a son of his own, who was born to him by the high priest's daughter for it is the ancient practice among us to have many wives at the same time. Now the king made these espousals for the children, out of commiseration of them, now they were fatherless, as endeavouring to render Antipater kind to them by these intermarriages. But Antipater did not fail to bear the same temper of mind to his brother's children, which he had borne to his brothers themselves and his father's concern about them provoked his indignation against them upon this supposal that they would become greater than ever his brothers had been, while Archelaus, a king, would support his daughter's sons, and Pheroras, a tetrarch, would accept of one of the daughters as a wife to his son. What provoked him also was this, that all the multitude would so commiserate these fatherless children, and so hate him for making them fatherless, that all would come out, since they were no strangers to his vile disposition towards his brethren. He contrived, therefore, to overturn his father's settlements, as thinking it a terrible thing that they should be so related to him, and be so powerful withal. So Herod yielded to him, and changed his resolution at his entreaty, and the determination now was, that Antipater himself should marry Aristobulus's daughter, and Antipater's son should marry Pheroras's daughter. 
so the espousals for the marriages were changed after this manner, even without the king's real approbation. Now Herod the king had at this time nine wives, one of them Antipater's mother, and another the high priest's daughter, by whom he had a son of his own name. He had also one who was his brother's daughter, and another his sister's daughter, which two had no children. One of his wives also was of the Samaritan nation, whose sons were Antipas and Archelaus, and whose daughter was Olympias, which daughter was afterward married to Joseph, the king's brother's son. But Archelaus and Antipas were brought up with a certain private man at Rome. Herod had also to wife Cleopatra of Jerusalem, and by her he had his sons Herod and Philip, which last was also brought up at Rome. Pallas also was one of his wives, which bare him his son Phasaelus. And besides these he had for his wives Phaedra and Elpis, by whom he had his daughters Roxana and Salome. As for his elder daughters by the same mother with Alexander and Aristobulus, and whom Pheroras neglected to marry, he gave the one in marriage to Antipater, the king's sister's son, and the other to Phasaelus, his brother's son. And this was the posterity of Herod. Chapter 2. Concerning Zamorus, the Babylonian Jew. Concerning the plots laid by Antipater against his father, and somewhat about the Pharisees. And now it was that Herod, being desirous of securing himself on the side of the Trachonites, resolved to build a village as large as a city for the Jews in the middle of that country, which might make his own country difficult to be assaulted, and whence he might be at hand to make sallies upon them, and do them a mischief. Accordingly, when he understood that there was a man that was a Jew come out of Babylon, with five hundred horsemen, all of whom could shoot their arrows as they rode on horseback, and, with a hundred of his relations, had passed over Euphrates, and now abode at Antioch by Daphne of Syria, where Saturninus, who was then president, had given them a place for habitation, called Balatha, he sent for this man, with the multitude that followed him, and promised to give him land in the toparchy called Batanea, which country is bounded with Trachonitis, as desirous to make that his habitation a guard to himself. He also engaged to let him hold the country free from tribute, and that they should dwell entirely without paying such customs as used to be paid, and gave it him tax-free. The Babylonian was reduced by these offers to come hither. So he took possession of the land, and built in it fortresses and a village, and named it Bathyra whereby this man became a safeguard to the inhabitants against the Trachonites, and preserved those Jews who came out of Babylon to offer their sacrifices at Jerusalem from being hurt by the Trachonite robbers, so that a great number came to him from all those parts where the ancient Jewish laws were observed, and the country became full of people by reason of their universal freedom from taxes. This continued during the life of Herod, but when Philip, who was tetrarch after him, took the government, he made them pay some small taxes, and that for a little while only, and Agrippa the Great, and his son of the same name, although they harassed them greatly, yet would they not take their liberty away. From whom, when the Romans have now taken the government into their own hands, they still gave them the privilege of their freedom, but oppressed them entirely with the imposition of taxes." 
of which matter I shall treat more accurately in the progress of this history. At length Zamaris the Babylonian, to whom Herod had given that country for a possession, died, having lived virtuously, and left children of a good character behind him, one of whom was Jassim, who was famous for his valour, and taught his Babylonians how to ride their horses, and a troop of them were guards to the forementioned kings. And when Jassim was dead in his old age, he left a son whose name was Philip, one of great strength in his hands, and in other respects also more eminent for his valour than any of his contemporaries, on which account there was a confidence and firm friendship between him and King Agrippa. He had also an army which he maintained as great as that of a king, which he exercised and led wheresoever he had occasion to march. When the affairs of Herod were in the condition I have described, all the public affairs depended upon Antipater, and his power was such that he could do good turns to as many as he pleased, and this by his father's concession, in hopes of his good will and fidelity to him, and this till he ventured to use his power still further, because his wicked designs were concealed from his father, and he made him believe everything he said. He was also formidable to all, not so much on account of the power and authority he had, as for the shrewdness of his vile attempts beforehand. But he who principally cultivated a friendship with him was Ferorus, who received the like marks of his friendship, while Antipater had cunningly encompassed him about by a company of women, whom he placed as guards about him, for Ferorus was greatly enslaved to his wife, and to her mother, and to her sister, and this notwithstanding the hatred he bare them for the indignities they had offered to his virgin daughters. Yet did he bear them, and nothing was to be done without the women, who had got this man into their circle, and continued still to assist each other in all things, insomuch that Antipater was entirely addicted to them, both by himself and by his mother, for these four women said all one and the same thing. But the opinions of Ferorus and Antipater were different in some points of no consequence. But the king's sister, Salome, was their antagonist, who for a good while had looked about all their affairs, and was apprised that this their friendship was made in order to do Herod some mischief, and was disposed to inform the king of it. And since these people knew that their friendship was very disagreeable to Herod, as tending to do him a mischief, they contrived that their meetings should not be discovered. So they pretended to hate one another, and to abuse one another when time served, and especially when Herod was present, or when any one was there that would tell him. But still their intimacy was firmer than ever when they were private. And this was the course they took. But they could not conceal from Salome neither their first contrivance, when they set about these their intentions, nor when they had made some progress in them, but she searched out everything, and, aggravating their relations to her brother, declared to him, as well their secret assemblings and compotations, as their counsels taken in a clandestine manner, which, if they were not in order to destroy him, they might well enough have been open and public. But to appearance they are at variance, and speak about one another as if they intended one another a mischief, but agree so well together when they are out of the sight of the multitude. For when they are alone by themselves, they act in concert, and profess that they will never leave off their friendship, 
but will fight against those from whom they conceal their designs. And thus did she search out these things, and get a perfect knowledge of them, and then told her brother of them, who understood also of himself a great deal of what she said, but still durst not depend upon it, because of the suspicions he had of his sister's calumnies. For there was a certain sect of men that were Jews, who valued themselves highly upon the exact skill they had in the law of their fathers, and made men believe they were highly favoured by God, by whom this set of women were inveigled. These are those that are called the sect of the Pharisees, who were in a capacity of greatly opposing kings. A cunning sect they were, and soon elevated to a pitch of open fighting and doing mischief. Accordingly, when all the people of the Jews gave assurance of their good will to Caesar, and to the king's government, these very men did not swear, being above six thousand. And when the king imposed a fine upon them, Pheroras's wife paid their fine for them. In order to requite which kindness of hers, since they were believed to have the foreknowledge of things to come by divine inspiration, they foretold how God had decreed that Herod's government should cease, and his posterity should be deprived of it, but that the kingdom should come to her and Pheroras and to their children. These predictions were not concealed from Salome, but were told the king, as also how they had perverted some persons about the palace itself. So the king slew much of the Pharisees, as were principally accused, and Bagoas the eunuch, and one Carus, who exceeded all men of that time in comeliness, and one that was his catamite. He slew also all those of his own family who had consented to what the Pharisees foretold. And for Bagoas, he had been puffed up by them, as though he should be named the father and the benefactor of him who, by the prediction, was foretold to be their appointed king, for that this king would have all things in his power, and would enable Begoas to marry, and to have children of his own body begotten. End of Book 17, Chapters 1 and 2